Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Episode 49 is an interview with Trang Noon, physio and strength and conditioning coach at The Motion Mechanic. In this conversation, we discuss how to periodize your strength training, what are the best types of exercises, how many reps and sets you should do for different outcomes, and whether or not you will bulk up, which a little spoiler alert, you won't. Um, I'm a big proponent of strength training and I think this podcast is full of information that will hopefully convert you to all agreeing with me. Are injuries ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. I know they have helped me so much and it's been great to get um, all my strength tested in all so many different ways so I know exactly what to work on this once again really ties in well with this podcast because you can actually see the gains that you are making through strength training so to get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of head to www.healthhp.com.au backslash run enjoy my chat with Trang Trang and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really excited yeah. to chat. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, I've told my listeners a little bit about you, but why don't you um, tell them a bit more and, and why you're interested in running and strength and conditioning and all of those sorts of things? Yeah, for sure. So I, um, after graduating from high school, I went to do a physiotherapy uh, uni course. At the same time, though, I, I did a um, little course to become a personal trainer so I actually was doing personal training first yeah. working with the general population so working with like general health um, weight loss things like that uh, and then I got into gym training things like that uh, and then a few years later I got really bored of gym training you know, just doing the same exercises all the yeah. time then got into running uh, and then actually did some more qualifications to uh, become a strength and conditioning coach uh, to work specifically with like endurance athletes so that's kind of how I got into it and it's really cool because I enjoy it I love it and um, I can actually with my own training with triathlon I can kind of like feel exactly what my clients are going through as well like I, everything they say I'm like yeah I've been through that before <laughs> so yeah now doing a combination of both um, physiotherapy and strength conditioning coaching which is a lot of fun. So you also got your physiotherapy uh, qualification as well yeah yes yeah. so I graduated and um, I'm working in a private practice so yeah. um, at a, a private practice body motion physiotherapy in Mitcham um, and there yeah. I'll, I'll work with you know all populations and then with strength conditioning then I, I used to work with most populations but now it's pretty much predominantly endurance athletes so what's the difference say between a personal trainer and, and a strength and conditioning coach that's a really good question. Um, so personal training, I guess the, the the course to become a personal trainer is the one that I did was a six month um, like TAFE course. So when you do that, you have all the principles to help people with their health and with their fitness. Um, and then you can work with you know all types of populations. With strength and conditioning, you'll go further. Um, you'll t almost take a step further and then you work more with uh, sporting populations to help them get better at their sport so whether it is running or triathlon or if it's like soccer afl whatever it is you help the athlete get better at their sport through 
gym training. So to actually develop the um, athletic attributes for them to run faster, for them to run longer, for them to jump higher. So it's very like sports specific rather than just health or rather than like weight loss. So when you're doing a sports and conditioning um, coaching course, you get to specialise in what, what particular sport or area that you're interested in? Um, with the course, it, it's very like team-based um, focus because team, um, yeah, team sports yeah. kind of make up majority of, I guess, like sport really. I mean, yeah. you have the individual sports of like, yeah, running, triathlon, endurance. Then you might have like Olympic lifting, powerlifting there, like solo sports. Um, and then you might have like skiing, surfing, all those things. But then, yeah, team sports is a massive, massive component. And it's like a, a very popular, like, you know, sport to, for people to watch and get engaged in as well. That gets televised on um, on TV and stuff. So, yeah, it's a big team um, sport focus. And then from there, I guess you can kind of move into the direction that you get interested in and then apply all the principles to the sport that you want to work with. So for me, that was, yeah, endurance sport. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously being a triathlete, yeah. Um, now, when um, a lot of runners are not keen to do strength and conditioning work because they're afraid they're going to bulk up, what, what are your thoughts on that one? That's pretty much the, the first objection, isn't it? Like, yes, it, what about, you know, is. how does it work getting bigger muscles? Yeah. Well, yeah, so, you know, when it comes down to strength training, the, the the general association is yeah you, you build bigger muscles therefore you get stronger um, but there's also ways that you can uh, like apply and strategize your training so that you get stronger without actually building as as big muscles so it's a, it's actually a combination of training and nutrition as well so when if you look at like bodybuilders their their main goal is to get bigger muscles yeah. and to shape their muscles in a really specific way so it's a massive component of like doing certain reps um it actually used to be you know do eight to 12 reps or more now it's actually less as well if they go to failure or they they actually do a weight that's heavy enough that it's very it's close to failure at least mm. and then they're having enough protein intake as well so the combination of those two uh is what actually leads to like muscle hypertrophy and that's what really focuses on building bigger muscles versus if um for strength and conditioning for endurance athletes what you would focus on is not necessarily going to failure and in fact you'd probably want to avoid that so just for um everyone listening going to failure means doing a weight for a certain number of reps where you get to the last rep and you you squeeze out every every last bit you have in you you don't have much left for another rep at all um so yeah you'd want to avoid going to failure first of all because that leads to a lot of fatigue and that leads to like yeah. muscle damage and things like that which will then impede on you know subsequent endurance sessions um, so you would in fact then focus on doing a heavy weight, but leaving some in the tank and then maybe doing a lighter weight for like fast reps as well to then build other attributes like speed or power. Um, plyometrics is, is an exercise, a form of exercise where you spend minimal time on the ground. So you have minimal ground contact time and you don't even need much weight for that. It's just focusing on improving like the muscle and tendon stretch reflex so that you're more springy when you run. And that's a big thing with um, running economy as well. Like when, when you look at runners, what makes them a good runner? There's a lot of different factors. There might be like their VO2 max or their lactate threshold. 
maybe their, their pain threshold as well. Um, but running economy is a big one. And just being more springy when you run is, is a major part of being able to run faster for longer. So it's like you, um, I'm sure everyone's done a run where uh, they've done like a half marathon, a marathon, maybe an ultra, where at the start they were springy, they felt good. <laughs> and then you get to the end and you see race photos or you just oh, know, you feel like you, you, <laughs> I've got some really good like finish line photos where my knee and my hip, like, I'm just fully crouched down and yeah. I'm, I'm just all over the place. Um, but that's where I guess you're less springy. Um, yeah. And and that is a component of, yeah, not being able to be as efficient with um, your, your shock absorption and that force transfer. So yeah, just improving a lot of different aspects of athletic development, not just muscle size. So strength, you know, power, um, improving your stretch reflex is how you will get stronger, get better at running economy without getting bigger muscles. And I mean, it's pretty hard to bulk up too much when you're, when you've got a lot of, um, when you're doing a lot of running anyway, just simply because cardio reduces the ability to, to bulk up, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And yeah. there's uh, there's research papers that will literally look at um, strength and muscle size development between people who train strength only and people who do strength okay. and endurance. Yeah. And they'll literally see that in the group of people who do strength and endurance, muscle size, is it, it doesn't grow as big as those who yeah. don't do the endurance. In fact, you can actually, you, people will actually lose muscle bulk as well. So those with a, a higher starting um, muscle size, they can actually like kind of tighten up and actually lose some of that muscle size um, through large volumes of endurance training. But finally, it's very adaptable. Um, they'll find that during a taper, you know, even a 10 day taper before a race, sometimes that muscle size will actually oh, wow. go a little bit bigger again over that time. Mm, so yeah. it's, it's very dependent on how much endurance you're doing because literally the pathways, the um, cellular pathways that your body undergoes when you're doing endurance literally inhibits um, muscle protein synthesis. So that's where there's that interference effect. And that's where, yeah, if you're doing a lot of running, it's going to be pretty hard to put on a lot of size. So you won't accidentally just, you know, put on heaps of muscle overnight. <laughs> and turn into a bodybuilder overnight. No. No. <laughs> now you talked yeah, about but, um, different types of strength training uh, for runners and you talked about, you know, just standard weights, which is probably the 8 to 12 reps that we're, you spoke about. And then you spoke about also um, doing it speed, like doing it fast for, for power. Can you talk us through that one a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I think um, it, this kind of starts to break it down a little bit more into, yeah, what a typical training session might look like or what, you know, a different training phases would look like. And, you know, I think a lot of people always really want to know about what the best exercises to do in the gym are. But I actually think, you know, talking about the principles of how you do the exercises is really important too. And that is what's relevant to improving your athleticism, right? So there's, if we break it down, there's three main different types of exercises that you can do that's going to improve your like running economy. So the first one is doing what's called heavy resistance training. So yeah. doing a relatively heavy weight for a relatively low number of reps. So what the research currently suggests is actually up to 15 reps. Um, but then I like it's anywhere from, you know, three to 15 reps. Yeah. I would actually usually stay on the lower side of that okay. rep range. Yeah, because with um, higher rep ranges, you then start to tap into like more peripheral fatigue because you're, you're, yes, you're fatiguing your muscles and yeah. the nervous system as well. And then that 
then kind of crosses over with, you know, doing a lot of running and a lot of hours of, of training. So you actually want to kind of minimize that crossover effect, uh, minimize that interference effect and stay kind of more heavy, just low reps, bang it out, get it out of the way. And that way you actually improve that yeah, muscle, muscle strength and the tendon stiffness as well. So heavy resistance training, so relatively high weight for, you know, anywhere from three to 15 reps, but I usually steer on the lower end. So um, usually under eight reps. Um, the second... And how many, sorry, how many sets of that would you do? Um, so um, I usually give three sets per exercise and then within one training session, uh, like anywhere between four to seven or eight exercises, but they're yeah. not all leg exercises as well. No, 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 of course not. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would, would like, kill you. That would, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that would be a combination of legs and then core and upper body as well. Yeah. 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 Um, so heavy resistance and in terms of like how you want to order your training session as well, you'd put that at the start of the training session. So at the start of your strength and conditioning session, because that the heavy exercises are the ones that go, are going to take up the most energy. They're the ones that you mm. want to be fresh for. So you want to do it at the very start. It's kind of like if you were to do an interval um, run session and then you might also have like kind of a four kilometer, you know, easy, um, like easy cool down. You do the interval first because that's yeah. the one that you want to be fresh for. And then you can kind of just like go easy and long after that. So that's the same as like strength and conditioning. You'll start with the heavy first. Um, and then the, the second uh, type of exercise that you can do is like power. So power training. So doing a lighter weight for fast reps. Um, and by fast reps, I mean the concentric phase. So you have like an eccentric phase where you're, you're stretching the muscle under load. So that phase of the exercise, for example, in a squat where you're going down and you're stretching the quads under load, you still do that at a normal rate. But then when you come up, you want to come up as explosively as possible. So that's going to improve your rate of force development, how quickly you can produce force. And that's also going to feed into your running economy as well. So yeah, if you're doing a heavy exercise, you're going to kind of take maybe, uh, it's going to take longer to contract versus doing some speed training as well, where you do a slightly lighter exercise, roughly 30% of your one rep max is kind of the number that gets thrown around. Although speaking about one rep max, which is the, the, um, the heaviest weight that you can do for one rep, not a lot of endurance athletes will do one rep max no. testing because it's like very, you know, high intensity. It's like a time trial for, you know, five, 10 kilometers or uh, it's like doing a, a race. And it's, um, it's not like a specific attribute that we need, you know, knowing what our one rep max is and stuff. So not a lot of endurance will know what their one rep max is, but doing a relatively lightweight where in the con um, concentric phase, you explode up. So in a squat, you explode up, or you might even do a jump you might go so explosive that you get okay. off the ground. Yeah, so you do your squat, that. you come down and then you come down and then you come up so fast. So you can just come up fast or you can come up and then do the jump as well, which is like explosive. <laughs> you know, you're explosive when you're getting off the ground. <laughs> um, so that's the second form of uh, train or type of exercise that you do an explosive resistance exercise. And the third one is plyometrics, which is what I uh, mentioned before where you're spending minimal time on the ground. So you have to actually come down onto the ground. Uh, you have to absorb that force and then you got to redirect it and then you got to spring back up again. So that's something, like jumping or hopping where you're 
you know, pretend the, the floor is lava, right? You want to spend minimal time on the ground. You want to hit the ground and come straight back up again as quickly as you can. And that's what running is. Running yeah, is a series true. of like plyometrics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, hopping one foot to the other for the duration of 10 kilometers, half a marathon, a marathon. Um, so the, the, the more like the more springiness you have, the more efficient you're going to be because you can actually use the free energy of that tendon stretching and recoiling and you don't actually have to use energy. Like that's actually free energy that you can get to spring off the ground and propel yourself to the next Mm. step. It's like, I usually say, think of your tendon like an elastic band, right? If you've got a thick, heavy elastic band and you pull it, it's going to recoil quite with a lot of, you know, power. It's going to recoil quickly. You can flick it across the room. It's going to fly across the room. But if you have one of those like really thin overstretched elastic bands, oh, you try to flick it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a bit slower. It's going to be a bit more sluggish. So yeah. that's the same as our tendons. We want our tendons to be like that thick, heavy elastic band so that when you stretch it, it recoils, it's like bang. And then that's how you improve your springiness and your, your running economy. So um, yeah, those three exercises are the kind of the ones I'd rotate my clients in and out of in a strength program, strength and conditioning so, program. So would you do that? Um, say, those three forms of exercise in one session or over a week or would you be periodizing them throughout a season yeah i would like i'd periodize them over a season sometimes if it's like i usually i'm saying that currently we're in off season because we don't have many races (laughs) at the moment so at the moment is a good time to be focusing on like heavy strength training because that is quite taxing because it's a heavy way, you know, it takes a lot of energy to do that. Um, And then, you know, you can also put in a couple of plyometrics exercises here and there within the sessions. You can put some explosive power ones as well. Um, But then I would be like for a lot of guys at the moment, I'm focusing on strength and you might get to a point where it's competition season, you know, you've got a lot of races, then you might dull down on the strength stuff so that you can really put your energy and your time into the running stuff. And then you can do some of the, more of the plyometrics of power stuff because that's like a bit more specific, a bit closer to what you yeah. need to do on, on, um, on the races that you're entering in. Yeah, excellent. So yeah, there's kind of like no right or wrong. You, you just go, go about them depending on where they're at in the race calendar and stuff. And um, when you're talking about, you know, tendons needing to be um, springy and, and that sort of thing, what then is the role of stretching? Oh, yes. <laughs> the good controversial topic of yes. stretching, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. We all want to have yeah. reasons not to stretch. What's that? We all want reasons so we don't have to stretch. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, I, what I'm about to say is probably going to be to confirm your bias then, right? Yeah, um, good. So, good. okay. So, stretching, there's a few different objectives that someone might want out of stretching. So, one might be like flexibility. Yeah. And then another common one is like reducing injury risk. Uh, I think that's a common perception that, you know, yeah. uh, stretching reduces injury risk, right? So we'll address those separately. So in terms of flexibility, what the research shows is that stretching can um, improve flexibility over time. And, you know, you, you would expect that. Like you look at gymnasts who do like a lot of stretching and they're flexible. So there, there is definitely, you know, causation. If you stretch more, you're going to get more flexible. Although you can actually achieve similar flexibility benefits from doing the right strength exercises as well that go into range. So if you think about doing like a stiff-legged deadlift, 
or even like a calf raise where you drop your heel below the step, you're getting a stretch during yeah. that exercise. And it's actually even, it's even a bigger advantage because you're getting an eccentric stretch. So mm. you're stretching that muscle under load and then you're actually making it stronger as you go through the concentric phase. So it's like win-win because you get that stretch as well as strengthening in one exercise. So best bang for your buck. It's a massive time saver. So for flexibility, um, you know, you can do either, but you can get the same benefits from stretching or strengthening. Um, and actually another reason why people might stretch is for subjective sensation of relief if their muscles feel tight as well. So that's something that I've, forgot to mention before so that that's one reason that i think would be beneficial if you feel like you know your muscles feel tight um then you can stretch to to get that short term like relief because you know it, you sometimes it does feel really good to stretch although if you want to look at the big picture if it's feeling tight there may be another reason why it's feeling tight and stretching is kind of like a band-aid effect like it will make it feel better at the time which is sometimes what we need but then in the long term it's probably not going to not going to fix what caused the tightness in the first place yeah and what caused the tightness could be is like a whole other rabbit hole that we can go <laughs> down yeah. um and the third objective why people may choose to stretch to reduce injury risk pretty much the consensus of the science at the moment and you're smiling like you know where this is going <laughs> um the consensus of the science at the moment is that stretching doesn't reduce injury risk so if you want to reduce your injury risk um, stretching is probably not the best way to go about it you're probably better off going doing other things that that will help that actually have more of a relationship with injury risk like watching your training program making sure that your loads aren't spiking you're not going too fast too quick doing you know strength training to to get your muscles and your tissues and your bones like more bulletproof more resilient because we know and actually just to mention as well there's also not a lot of evidence to show a causative effect between strength training and injury risk but my reasoning is that when someone gets an overuse injury and they go to the physio or the osteo or chiro um, they'll get treatment like massage, things like that, but then they'll have to go through rehab. They'll have to then strengthen that tissue, that muscle that has gone through that um, overuse injury because it's going to be weaker as a result of like maybe a, a strain or a tear, a tendinopathy. Um, it's going to be a little bit weaker. So then they go through this rehab process to get it stronger. So then my reasoning is that we know that it's kind of like working backwards. Like we know that you have to do that. So then it's, it makes sense to be preventative in a way and then do strength training before to get it as strong as possible to then hopefully reduce the risk of straining and, and um, like tearing muscles and things like that. But at the moment, there's no solid research to show a link between the two. So yeah, if, it, if it's injury risk that reducing injury risk that, you know, you guys want, then there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But stretching probably isn't like, there's no strong evidence to suggest that. So that's nice. So we don't all have to feel guilty anymore about not stretching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so now, obviously, people are in isolation. Gyms are sh have been shut for quite a while. I mean, they're going to be opening up soon. But if, if you don't, if you're still in isolation or you don't have access to a gym, what can people do for strength training? Mm. I think that's been a really tough one for a lot of people the last few months. And yeah, we are kind of getting to the end of the period and gyms are reopening again. 
but yeah, it's been it's been a tough ride for a lot of people because a lot of um, a lot of athletes and a lot of people are used to having the equipment in gyms to be able to do their heavy resistance right. training yeah. and there to do the explosive training. So then you know you get stripped away and you don't get that equipment. So the best thing that you can do is to adapt and one find whatever you can around your home to to load up. So you can actually, um, I've found that some of my clients have gotten really creative and you can actually build up some decent weight with, with stuff around the home. So getting a backpack, putting textbooks in there, putting different, I don't know, milk jugs in there, you can actually build up a decent amount of weight in that backpack. And then you can then do squats. Um, you can then do calf raises with that backpack on your back. Um, the other alternative that you can do to adjust the weight without increasing external weight is actually actually doing like single leg exercises, for example. Mm. So say if you do like a squat, um, you know, if you're, if you're a 70 kilogram uh, male, for example, then you've got two legs on the ground. So you're kind of distributing that 70 kilograms between the two legs. As soon as you take away one leg and you do a single leg squat, then you're immediately doubling the weight and you're, you're going to be taking on that entire 70 kilograms with that one leg. So that's a very quick and uh, quick way that you can make an exercise challenging without use of any external weights. Like single leg squats are pretty challenging. Like it's an yeah. advanced exercise mm. um, and single leg hip thrusts, single leg hip bridges are the same single leg calf raises you can um we you know you, you we've found that you can do a pretty decent heavy resistance exercise with stuff around home and through doing single leg versions and the benefit of doing single leg versions as well is there's now going to be that stability component as well because you don't have that base of support so your your one leg is going to have to work a lot harder to balance and to to coordinate the movement by itself so that's also another benefit of doing single leg exercises which is really good because in running you're only ever on one leg at a time so that's what i was going to get relevant to. in that yeah, yeah. and and yeah. would you in general even if gyms are around would you recommend um one-legged exercises for runners to do quite you know as one of their sort of main exercises yeah for sure for sure yeah. um what i would usually suggest is like yeah do like one heavy exercise so you might do like double leg squats or deadlifts like the classic exercises and then you you'll do what's called like accessory exercises so then you'll move on and then you might do some like lunges or some single leg yeah calf raises or single leg hip bridges um, single leg deadlifts where you're on one leg so then you're addressing different attributes so you address strength in the very first exercise that was heavy and then you're now addressing more stability and like isolated strength because we all have a dominant side as well yes. you know when some when a runner gets injured they'll find that it's usually one side it's it's um more more commonly one side than both sides so then you want to be able to have independent strength on the left uh, as well as the right so yeah doing both is really good and do you see any value in, say, body weight exercises? Mm. Well, I think um, over the last few months while gyms have been closed, like it's been the saviour for a lot of us because yeah. most of us haven't had like barbells at home. So, yeah, body weight exercises are really have been really helpful in that um, space. Like I think, you know, when gyms open up again, you, you do want to, if you can, you know, do a couple of exercises with heavy external weight and then you can do a lot of accessory exercises 
body weight as well. And especially when you're looking at um, other areas of the body, like core um, and upper body, there's a lot that you can do uh, for body weight. That's that's really awesome. And, you know, I think a lot of people might say, but you can't get stronger in body weight. And I used to think that as well. <laughs> but then if you reflect on gym gymnasts again, and I've brought them up twice, so maybe I've got like a secret, <laughs> a secret gymnast <laughs> in me. Um, but, you know, they're very like they they've got so much strength they've got so much flexibility and a lot of their training is body weight you know they're hanging off bars they're doing like like flips and tumbles and stuff and they have they have decent muscle bulk and they have decent strength as well so um yeah you can definitely you can definitely get creative and achieve strength through multiple different ways now many runners will go oh but all i want to do is run I don't want to waste my time going to the gym, you know. How long should it like take for, to do a gym session to for running? Mm. Yeah, you definitely want t- uh, best bang for your buck at sessions. Yeah. You don't want to be sitting around in gym for two hours. No. I know, like strength athletes will happily sit in the gym yes, and do right. a two or three hour training session, which is crazy. Like we will we'll happily run for two or three hours. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, you want to you want to be as efficient as possible. Um, there's so different coaches will prescribe you know different types of training sessions. I'm my approach is like do a qual a couple of quality sessions in a week where you might be in the gym or you might be doing your strength at home for anywhere between thirty to forty five minutes is pretty yeah. good. Um, for a couple of times a week is pretty much all you need because you can be efficient and like do a circuit and go between different body areas, like different um, muscle groups, so that you, while you're resting your legs, you can do a bit of core, you can do a bit of upper body and then come back to your legs again. So you can be efficient that way. I know some coaches, and this hasn't been something that I've um, kind of explored with too much, but some coaches might do like 10 minutes five times a week or something. So oh, okay. kind of more frequently, yeah, like more frequently, but just kind of a little bit. So yeah. it kind of depends. You, you can kind of, I think the best thing you can do is like try what works for you as well, because we know that people are so individualized and everyone has their own preferences and different uh, stimuli that their body responds to better. So if, you know, if you're a runner listening, you, you should try a bit of both in like in terms of like try a 45 minute session, um, try, you know, 10 minute sessions here and there and see which one over time uh, suits you more but I think yeah you kind of save a bit more time in a way if just bang it out in 30 yes, to 45 minutes because yeah. you know you've you've changed into your, your gear you've brought out the equipment you're already in that zone so you might as well just kind of get it out in that time versus yeah. I think you know the we always know that the first step is always the hardest step so like getting started is always the hardest getting off the couch is the hardest part getting out of bed is the hardest part to oh, yeah. start the training session so just yeah i think um two or three sessions in a week but you know 30 to 45 minutes would be my recommendation yeah yeah so two to three times a week and which day do you recommend doing strength training on um on the easy day or on a quality session day mm, yeah this is actually a a really challenging one for a lot of runners i know because it's there's only seven days in a week and you, you, you can earn there's only so many spaces time slots you can fit in strength and conditioning so i reckon this would depend on how much running you're already doing so if you're doing three or four runs a week then you've got two or three 
or sorry, two to four extra days in the week that you can put strength and conditioning on on a completely separate day by itself. So that's that's okay. Um, if you're a runner who is running maybe six times a week, then I probably wouldn't put that strength and conditioning session on that seventh day because you probably need that seventh day to have a passive recovery or in, like whatever it is because strength and conditioning can be uh, quite fatiguing as well. So you probably want to reserve that seventh day and then you might put that strength and conditioning session on whatever easy run you have within the six days that you're already running. So you want to kind of like, line it up with another easy run day where you can so that um, they're not impeding each other because if you're doing it on the same day as like a hard run then you your each session is going to interfere with each other whether you do the strength and conditioning session first then the second session the speed session is going to suffer because you're going to be fatigued your muscles are going to be like sore your uh, muscle fuel sores are going to be depleted and then vice versa if you do your speed session first then your strength and conditioning session is also going to suffer a little bit as well however having said that if you get to a point where you're training like you isabel you probably have a, you've been through this before you know You're, you might be running like seven days a week for different um, periods of time in that case you might have uh, one easy run day I probably wouldn't put strength and conditioning on that day because you're already running every day. So you're working your legs every day and then you get one day we have like a relatively short, easy run. I'd probably try and save that day as an easy day and then move that strength and conditioning session to maybe line up with like a medium distance run or you might have to then put it to line it up with a hard run just to make it a very, very hard day and then you can have your very, very easy day. So it kind of depends on where the run is at. But I think, yeah, programming and making sure that you're getting adequate stimulus but then also adequate recovery is really important because it's um it's it can be very easy to get really into it as as runners are like we're really into what we do yeah. um, and not having enough recovery days uh in between so that can yeah. then yeah go go down a, a path that you don't want so yeah and um say someone's doing all the different weights and they're periodized it and that sort of thing and then they start their taper should they completely stop doing any strength work at all in the taper or should there be, I know you spoke about becoming more specific, but should you even stop the plyo and the, and the, the <clears throat> our sort of exercises or should you still do a little bit of that? Mm, mm. I think it would depend on the individual. So it would depend on one, what they're tapering for. I think if it's a really, really big event, um, if it's like an ultra marathon and you want to be as fresh as possible, then you might, uh, have your last SNC session kind of, you know, at the start of the taper and you leave the taper just for you to, to really let that fatigue diminish and you let that taper just, yeah, do you really kind of calm down during that taper? Um, for a lot of runners, otherwise, it can be good to still do some strength and conditioning during a taper, but then you taper that strength and conditioning as well. So instead of doing like a full strength session, what you can do is you can also reduce the volume um, to reduce how many sets you do or you can do reduce how many reps you do um, but what's generally suggested is you maintain the intensity so you maintain how much weight you're still doing and that principle applies for running taper as well like you might reduce uh, how much running how many kilometers you do but you still maintain you know whatever speed that you would usually do so that you don't lose fitness because that's the other risk right like a taper 
you want to let that fatigue diminish so that you're in peak condition for your race, but you don't want to taper too hard that you lose fitness. So yeah. a good way to do that is to reduce that volume, but then you continue to keep that intensity. So you keep that fitness and you, you keep kind of that, even that perception of the sensation of going at a certain speed um, so that you can show up on race day and you've, you've got that in you, you're ready to go um, versus kind of tapering too hard and getting sluggish and things like that. So yeah, for strength and conditioning, reducing volume is, is generally the best way to go and maintain the weight. Although if you are doing like heaps and heaps of weight, you might want to reduce that weight by a certain percentage as well. But you don't have to completely drop down to zero, like maybe drop it down to 70% uh, of what you usually do or something. Yeah. Now, um, I know you spoke about, you know, different parts of the body. So a lot of runners think that they maybe only need to do leg weights. And, and I'm presuming you think upper body weights are important still. Mm, yeah yeah for sure I usually um I usually use this as an example and I know this is like probably going to be more uh, an audio form so you might not be able to see but what I'm doing now is I'm like I'm pulling up from the top of my t-shirt so I'm pulling the, t the top of my shoulder of the t-shirt up and what happens is you you're pulling one side of the t-shirt but also the rest of the t-shirt even the bottom parts is going to be lifted up a little bit as well right because the entire t-shirt's connected it's it acts as one um unit and our body is the same. We have different muscle groups. We learn that we have the quads, we have the hamstrings, we have the glutes, but really our body works as one big functional unit and it works best when it works in a coordinated way. So when you're running, yes, you're using mostly your legs to propel yourself forwards, but it's that energy is also going to be coming from your core. It's also going to um, be coming from your arms when you're swinging your arms as well. There's heaps of like fascial lines and muscle connections across your torso that will connect your left shoulder to your right hip. So yeah, you want your whole body to, to work as one. And that's why you want to work full body. You might not have to have as much emphasis on upper body uh, if you're a runner compared to maybe a swimmer, for example, but you can still, um, you'll still benefit from doing some upper body work. And there are like some indirect ways it can help because we know that as a runner, we want to be able to expand our lungs as much as possible. We want to have full capacity. So we, we also want our rib cage to be nice and open. And um, we want our shoulders to not be like, I guess, compressing down onto the rib cage. So all those things as well is going to help. Um, and, and I usually and many say- runners wear a pack. So, you know, they've got that weight on the upper body yes. for maybe, you know, quite a few hours, I guess that's going to help too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you want to, you want to work your body as one big movement. I usually say, just remember we're athletes, we're training to improve our athletic development. We're trying to improve movement patterns, not just muscle groups. That's what yes. bodybuilders do. <laughs> so, so think of it as like, yeah, building the entire body, building our entire physical machine so that we can run for a very, very long time and we can maintain that. We can run very fast and we want to just, yeah, get everything as connected as possible to increase our chances of doing that at a very high level. Well, that's great. That's some really good information that I'm sure um, many of the listeners will be hearing for the first time and, and will learn a lot about. Um, if they want to get in contact with you for some strength and conditioning work, how would they do that? Yeah, so the best way that, um, to contact me is probably through Instagram. I'm quite active on there. So my Instagram handle is the motion mechanic, or you can always shoot me an email as well. So trang at the motion mechanic.com. 
Yeah, I'll put all of those in the show notes, but thanks for that. All right, well, thank you awesome. so much. And um, and if anyone's got any questions, they can obviously find out through you and also find out about some strength and conditioning programs. Thanks, Isabel. Thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. All right, thanks for that. So what did you think? I think Trang has really shown how important it is to work on strength for runners. I also find it interesting how important she felt developing mobility is alongside of strength. And I think this conversation was a great compliment to my chat with uh, Kelly Storette. Check that one out too if you haven't heard that podcast. I personally would love to see all runners and really just all athletes working on developing strength. This can only help reduce injuries and also enable us to stay strong for life as well as for running because ultimately that's what it's all about running is important but life is living a good life of activity is also important thank you to those people who've taken the time and effort to subscribe rate and review on apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast player whatever that is i really do appreciate your support Letitia, a runner slash swimmer from brazil wrote isabel thank you so much for all the knowledge experience and inspiration you share in your podcast i really admire your work thank you so much Letitia, for your kind words they mean a lot to me Well, I don't know about you, but I'm already planning the races I want to do in the quickly approaching next few months. And thank goodness I maintained some good training, although I backed it off, some good training over um, isolation, and I'm ready now to hit my straps on the harder training. If you're getting excited too about the uh, races coming up, and there are a lot of them, email me, isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au to organise an individualised training plan. Have a great week of training and spending time with friends and family.